Boxcats. Boxcats. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 267. It turns out, if you cut me, I do bleed. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers, and thank you, Josh, for the Shakespearean opening tonight. Yeah, hey, my pleasure. Uh, I, uh, you know what, you know when you're watching one of those cooking shows, and uh, with like uh, Colin like, Lane hosting. No, no, like with with a professional with a professional chef. So so not like Master Chef, but uh, like Top Chef or or something like that, where uh, where they're cooking and they're cooking in in quite intense situations, and they cut themselves, and then they just you know wrap some gooseneck around it. <laughs> And, uh, and and cover it in foie gras and then just keep on going. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. Is that what you had to go at? Yeah. I, well, I cut myself while cooking mm-hmm. and I didn't have a goose. Right. Or foie gras. I instead had a lot of swear words and running into the bathroom I was say, trying to work you out. You should do what I do and use a Band-Aid. They're us, you have. We've got the same injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, is yours garlic related? Mine's garlic related. No, mine's handicraft related. Turns oh. out I'm really bad at handicrafts. <laughs> right, so that's... That's, uh, that's the major one. The other ones are all just left <laughs> open to... That's uh, <laughs> any specific John's, handicrafts. Yeah, finger knitting, maybe. It's John's uh, cross stitch. I was trying to Remember remove, finger knitting? I was yeah. trying to remove a press stud from some fabric. Oh, <laughs> oh! Needing those pliers—that's what you so, want. Yeah, so th- th- how much? How much blood <laughs> is in a thumb? Quite, quite a bit. Heaps, heaps, <laughs> heaps of blood in a thumb. That's uh, that's <laughs> not what we're talking about in this week's episode of Box Cutters. We are talking about television. Of course, you can't use those uh, elastoplast type band aids in cooking. Otherwise, when it falls off and falls in, no, you need food, you need coloured, you need blue, you need blue, bright blue ones. When when I uh, when I worked in the kitchen uh, at the William Angler School. Uh, recently, and cut myself. Recently, and, yeah, I did a course. I did a butchery course because uh-huh. you know what else am I going to do? I like, I like watching TV and cutting meat. That's uh, that's me. You got me. Want to know what to get me for a birthday present? DVD box set or some steak? Oh, so of Dexter, but you actually don't like Dexter, do you? Yeah, I don't much like Dexter, but mm. I, I do love the opening credits. They are too long, but if I was just watching them, I'd go, "That's lovely." Uh, this week's episode of Box Cutters. Chocked full of stuff. And before we get talking about that, John, you and I are going to be talking about television-related stuff this weekend at Continuum, which is the Melbourne Science Fiction Convention. Uh, It's it's the literary convention, but we're going to be talking TV stuff. Well, it's not all literary, but we're saying it's, it's, yeah. It's it's literally biased. It's not. It doesn't have, you know, people signing autographs from... No. Farscape. You mean no. literarily biased? Yes, yeah. yes, that's what yeah. I mean. Literarily biased. Yeah, there, there aren't like super famous uh, people or even Amber Benson. See, that's what happens. When you do that. When, when you set uh, up your timer. When unlikely, I set my timer. It's unlikely anyone will be dressed up as a stormtrooper. Although, quite possible there'll be fezzes. I've noticed fezzes are, are, are very big. From Fez, that 70s show? Fezzes are cool. Not, not, no, not that fez. <laughs> but yeah. Because how would you dress up as Fez on that 70s show? Yeah, in a smart blue safari suit. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're going to be there this weekend uh, and we'll be uh, hosting a few panels, yeah. some together, some separately. I'm not sure how I'll deal with the, the separately one. You'll cope. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll get through. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, that's exciting. But also, I noticed today on the Acme website that uh, the latest uh, Acme 
session live in the studio where you and I will be presenting, John, has gone on sale. Yes, yes. So if you want to see us talk about the Muppet Show, <laughs> why wouldn't you? We are. We, we, I, you know, I had to think about it. I think we probably will be the Statler and Waldorf on the, on the night. That, uh, that that makes sense. So yeah, uh, tickets are on sale now at the Acme website. Uh, they're only fourteen dollars, and they're really, really limited. And the last one sold out pretty quickly. Indeed, it's a small room. So yes, many, many options. Uh, and uh, and Brett, of course, will be doing that through the entire two-hour show. Yeah, yeah. that we'll be doing. He, he's actually going to be wearing like a, like a, a mask and, and headphones, like, like in Tommy. And, <laughs> and he'll just be doing the Muppet Show theme for the whole hour. I'll just come out from time to time being gonzo and, and uh, having some sort of visual <laughs> joke. It'll, it'll be quite annoying, like Tommy. With the <laughs> hey, I really like Tommy. Actually, I don't mind Tommy. Either. That's, that's I, I, but it was ter- terrifying as a kid. As a kid, seeing it on TV for the first time. Me too, yeah. Oliver Reed was one of the scariest people <laughs> ever in the history of the world. And then when I saw him on Michael Parkinson... Once, you know, that, that famous interview where he's, yeah. on, he's on Parkinson, he's got the giant uh, cocktail in front of him. I thought he was just and drunk. Went, was he on Parkinson? <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey, and that's box cutters for another week. Uh, I went, oh, there's that terrifying man. Yeah, I best not watch this because he's drunk again. He is quite right. He's probably just going to lash out and hit that poor kid again. <laughs> and then, and then he turns up in Oliver and in Oliver, he's terrifying again. Oliver Reed, one of the scariest people in my childhood. History's greatest monsters. <laughs> History's greatest. This week on History's Greatest Monsters. Oliver Reed. For me, yeah. Jeff... Uh, Probst. No. No, the, the, the Jeff Harvey. I, really? Oh. I had an odd nightmare about Jeff Harvey on the Mike Wall Show. Yeah. Where he, he died and, and turned into a ghost... Dude with a beard. I understand that. Understand you were Jeff- frightened of Jeff Harvey. Yeah, and but, you are now a man with a beard. But he's but Brett's beard, beard like Jeff Harvey. He's become the thing Bre- you fear. Brett's beard is a camped. Face. Brett's beard is a very camped it beard. Is camped beard. Whereas no, Jeff, Jeff, Harvey. Jeff Harvey's beard was like. You remember uh, the description of the twits in the Roald Dahl book? Mm-hmm. That's Jeff Harvey's beard is like their beard. Like it's just. I'm sure it's got food in it and and stuff. Uh, Oh, you know, I, we could we could talk about things that scared us on television <laughs> all day. The, I think the dream was that uh, he, had, he had a fencing demonstration on the Mike Walsh show, and he he lost and got stabbed. And he, oh. <laughs> after the break, he came back as the ghost. Have I, right, and yeah. Jeannie Little still looked the same. Have I told yes. my Mike Walsh story? I probably have told you this, but because I, I did work, I worked for a while in a building owned by Mike Walsh. Uh, I did go to this great story that Mike Walsh apparently, when hosting that show, never really kind of considered how anything happened. Like, he would just say stuff and expect it to work. And so apparently one day he did announce that the next day's show was going to be on ice. And (laughs) overnight, people had to transform the studio into an ice skating rink, which was apparently a complete nightmare. Uh And then he stood up and went, oh, yeah, there we go. That's been done. (laughs) (laughs) What did he do before that? I have no idea. So is that is that why now in that building there is a musical version of Dr. Zhivago? All the time. Because, (laughs) Because Mike Walsh has just gone... And next year we're going to have the musical version of Dr. Chicago. And someone has to go and write it, and Anthony Warlow has to come out of retirement. And, oh, it's all, all too hard. In this episode of Box Cutters, uh, uh, apart from uh, TV reminiscing, we're going to be reviewing the new New Zealand show, The Almighty Johnsons, 
which will hopefully be coming to a screen near you, especially if you buy it on DVD, because that's going to be one of the only ways. And it's uh, it, it's not going down that path that you might have uh, picked up on uh, with uh, Spartacus Blood and Sand. <laughs> when, when no, I was, yeah, with when with I was all the almighty Johnsons year, that we yeah. saw in the uh, the change rooms the, there. there. There were there were a lot. Yeah, it's nice. I like that. It's uh, a tick. Uh, Amazing race in a minute. Now, this this is a this is a segment that uh, was suggested by a listener that I have one minute every week to talk about the amazing race. That's going to happen. That's why we set the timer. I just forgot about it during that bit, <laughs> uh, but that'll be coming up later on in the show. John and I, Brett, we went uh, on an excursion to what I would like to call Channel Nine Advertising Day. Mm-hmm. That's. It- it was to unleash is- the power of television. Yes. That's what the yes. email said. Yes. The-, the power of television. Well, because it's had the safety on for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, it's yeah. Uh, so yeah, so unleash we- the standby of television. So we went, uh, we, we went to find out what the power of television was. Apparently, it's images and sound oh. direct into your lounge room. Mm. It's, it's, it's going to be the future. Oh, my God. TV's going to be the future. So we're going to tell you all about that. We've got some letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We've got some pork. Toby Halligan is away this week again. He has said he'll be be here next week. But he's he's busy, busy Mm -hmm. man. Uh, But as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. I'll go first. My news is very, very quick. Mm-hmm. Nathan Barley has been released by Chris Morris onto YouTube. You can watch each 25-minute episode on YouTube for free. That's fantastic. Legally. Legally. Yeah. So And uh, get your YouTube downloader and, and suck it down for yourself in MP4 format. Yeah, watch you know, it on your iPod. You know what's a lot easier than doing that? Just watching on, just, just, <laughs> on YouTube. Just watching it on YouTube or just, just buy, buying it. Fair enough. I'm not it for sale around. Uh, it's not for sale around here, uh, but it is if you have friends in the UK. Uh, or walking at Amazon.co.uk, presumably. Or they are my friends in the oh, UK. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you can go to Amazon.co.uk, uh, get Nathan Barley sent to your house, or you can watch it on YouTube for free, mm-hmm. legally, sit there, enjoy it, know exactly what the hell it is that we've been talking about all this time, mm-hmm. because it is... It, you know, it's, we're not going to cover it. We're not going to cover it in uh, in Good Die Young, and you may have noticed there is no Good Die Young this this week. It's a special edition of Box Cutters, but uh, it's a very special edition. But we, of Box we've covered it. That no parent should miss. <laughs> yeah, we have covered it in the past, and uh, and that's uh, that, that's why we're not covering it in Good Die Young. But it is a great show. It, it is an excellent show. Only one season. Really, really clever. Had a great website to to back it up, uh, and. You know, it's six years on, but it really, it really predated the hatred of hipsters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bat, bat, what? Cock. Ah, ah, it'll come to me. <laughs> yes, it'll come to me. Yeah, uh, John. Uh, I this is uh, story's a couple of weeks old, but it, but it, it came it came to mind. Uh, Al Gore 
the former Vice President of the United States of America, has been spooking to virtually all the English media I can find, but this is from The Guardian on the 19th of May, that he claims that um, his TV station, which you may remember or have not remembered, do you remember that Al Gore's got a TV station? Because I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, something TV. It's current, current, current TV. Current, current. Is it actually on, on the telly? Is well, it a subscription it is it is and it was it it was a genius idea you'd have young people making their own content and uh and that's my giant thighs getting in the way again uh young people making their own content uh putting it up on a website people would vote for it on that website and that would become the content of the tv station i think they've changed a bit they have changed a bit since because that made them no money right it it appears to be it's more a kind of you know left-leaning news service now as far as i can tell right now, he, um, Current TV got thrown off Sky Italia uh, in the last couple of weeks. Right. And Gore is claiming this is because Rupert Murdoch was punishing them for hiring Keith Olbermann, the former MSNBC... Uh, Keith Olbermann... Actually, I'm, I'm quite fond was, of Keith Olbermann. He but was, he, he, was, he was sacked off MSNBC. He was. He was because he uh, donated money to some uh, Democrats' political party without having got permission, which apparently was a... I think so. Keith Olbermann is effectively like the left wing equivalent of one of because up Sean Hannity point, or nobody, nobody realised where he was coming from. <laughs> yeah, because his pol- politics were so hard to judge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Olbermann's quite fun because he's the shouty ranty left wing equivalent of the shouty ranty white right wings. It's preaching the converted, but it's kind of fun. It's a very serious to... conversation when he has serious topics to yeah. cover. So Gore claimed that Italia had been pushed off because of Murdoch, and that um, the current executive TVs were uh, sorry, current TV executives were told off the record. This quote off the record that the decision was taken on News Corp's instructions from New York, because Current is launching Keith Olbermann next month. Now. What's interesting about this is that Sky Italia have come out saying that's not true and it's because your station rates really badly and you wanted more money. And I heard Gore being interviewed by the media show on BBC's Radio 4. And that's why I was interested in this story because normally when you hear those sorts of things, you'll have an idea who you believe. Mm. Listening to the interview with Gore, it was quite possible he was telling the truth. It was quite possible he's a paranoid, crazy person and is completely wrong. Or it's quite possible, as someone else said, that he's actually just trying to spruik current TV in the stations it's in the, in the markets it's still currently on. Mm-hmm. So he's generated so vast amounts of free publicity. Free publicity, yeah, through claiming that this is a um, a political decision against him rather than just being a financial or business one. I uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Though, well, it could go for any of those options. That's the thing I genuinely couldn't tell from the interview. Like, are you? Are you manipulating this? Are you stupid? Are you right? It could be any of those. Yep. But not all. No, no. But 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 one of them. And and I think Al Gore's so used to being believed as well. He is very convincing. At, at some point, at some point in his mind, he has to go. I I wonder if I can get away with this. <laughs> like that's just that's just that's just what I think. He is claiming that Rupert Murdoch, though, personally got rid of his station. In Italy, as punishment for hiring Keith Olbermann. Uh, yeah, Rupert, R- Rupert Murdoch has. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would care. It, yeah, it's yeah, I, it's I don't think stretch. Rupert Murdoch, mm-hmm. especially in Italy where everything is owned by Silvio Berlusconi. Uh, the that's all the free to wear, isn't it? And newspapers. Yeah, but the idea that that Murdoch would even care what happens in that market—it's so yeah, it's so tied up. And 
you know, there's no money to be had in Italy. Uh, you know, you, you may as well try to launch a new station in Greece or Spain if you're going to launch it in Italy. Maybe the uh, the network heads uh, working for Rupert in Italy uh, thought that, that a bit of retribution was, was warranted. Uh, because I do try to imp- impress the boss... So it's quite distracting because Josh is more interested in the show happening in the next studio. Than I'm not one. interested in that show. I'm not interested in that show. Then why do oh, you love exactly. them? Why are you writing notes for them and trying to get them to pay attention? To I we were trying sure to think of this guy's to. name, and we just discovered that guy's name, and I had to write a note and get them to realise what it was. So now they know. Right. That's it. Right. What was that beeping noise? That wasn't my timer. Sorry, box cutters, kind of listeners. Timer. Josh doesn't care about you. No, he's more interested in that show in studio two. Now, um, <laughs> there was a there was a bit of hope uh, that that snuck through the cracks uh, over the week uh, that there may actually still be some uh, good investigative journalism uh, Where? that that actually exists. Well, the Four Corners uh, episode that was on last week as we were recording this show. Uh, was, no, you see, not talking about the about current the, um, affair story that was uh, spruced about uh, the the woman who got bashed by her husband at their wedding. No. Okay. Okay. I just wasn't sure which which angle you were going there. <laughs> not, so much four in, mu- not much investigation there, I don't believe. If it's the one I'm thinking of, he, he'd actually been to court and uh, had uh, had come out. They, they could just read the court transcripts, really. She wasn't pretty enough, apparently. Four Corners uh, actually went to the trouble of going over to another country, uh, namely Malaysia, and uh, into their abattoirs over there and uh, got some secretly filmed footage uh, of the appalling conditions in which uh, Australian live uh, stock that was sent over uh, were... uh, Slaughtered. slaughtered. This turned into a massive media story immediately, and I did kind of wonder how much did we not know? I mean, I well, okay, the slaughtering is not is not the 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 slaughtering was supposed to happen. Yeah, it's the torturing before the slaughtering that that wasn't supposed to happen. Did we not guess that? No, apparently, apparently, Malaysia said in the time between the the uh, cows arriving and then being slaughtered, the cows weren't pretty enough, and had to. (laughs) No, that's the other story. Oh. Okay, my mistake. No, but yeah, so... so there had been so inspections and stuff, but it was... Yeah, uh, we, we kind of expect that other, that other countries are going to be just slaughtering cattle as, as humanely as, as we do, especially uh, a, a country where the, uh, where the slaughtering of cattle is so strictly uh, guidelined they're, they're by, requirements. By, by the halal the, the, requirements. They need to be live when they turn up. So, yes. Yeah, so they, they need to be alive when they turn, turn up, but there are very strict... Strict requirements around well, how to kill, how to kill an animal humanely in yeah. the halal practice. They don't have to. They they can be halal butchered here. Yes, and they can be. And, and in fact, all butchery here apparently is actually halal approved. That was that was one of the shocking stories on the current affair. Your meat is halal approved. Apparently, every every butcher here just as a matter of course because it's easier and gets you a larger market. Actually no, because has. but you can't. Apparently, just need some dude. I, I don't know what the details are, but I, no. But the, I, I always thought to uh, that for halal butchery, you had to uh, slice the the throat? the throat. Apparently, not necessarily. Apparently, it just has to be approved or overseen by a religious An figure, imam. or yeah, there's some kind of deal, right? 
because yeah, there's loads of people on current affair going, I want halal unapproved meat. And they're going, it, it's the same meat. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm old. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to eat the same meat that terrorists eat. Yeah, this is terrorist steak. Mm, yum. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's why a lot of old people on a current affair wouldn't eat potatoes for all those years that Northern Ireland was. Uh, <laughs> But it was it was quite phenomenal. Uh, even by the time Q and A got uh, got to air, so so four corners you've got on, then media watches on for like fifteen minutes, and then Q and A comes in. Uh, even even by the time Q and A was on air, it was it was a hot topic uh, that they were talking well, yeah, about and, 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 and starting to deal with already. At the start of at the start of this week, uh, there were uh, articles about people actually not buying beef in Australia because they'd heard this four corners. That see, and this is the thing. I don't think they'd seen the Four Corners article. They had heard about the Four Corners article. The only information that got through was that Cantor was being tortured before, before slaughter, mm-hmm. and so they've stopped buying Australian they beef thought in it was Australia. Here. So yeah, butchers are saying a huge decline in beef numbers in the last week. Really? They're seeing a, a significant decline in beef numbers in the last week. Uh, I don't understand why. And this is this Maybe is the a morons problem. Will, will run out of iron and, and just die off. Maybe this is natural selection. <laughs> this is a problem with investigative reporting like that because that, that takes an hour to tell that story or, or 45, 45 minutes, minutes yeah. uh, to tell that story about four abattoirs in all of Malaysia. Uh, the, the repercussions of that are so such diminished snippets of uh, of just little audio grabs and uh, and sound bites that people aren't getting full information so you you can have the investigative journalism but there's still going to be speculative and outrageous claims down the line and it's still going to have crazy effects well, what down was, the line. what was the take home message on the herald sun the day after i don't know were they were they a dollar ten? Were they were they for torture oh. of uh, beef? Well, the only thing it did erupt everywhere is this story, and that's why I mean I, yeah, so like bastard here, but I just think if you are exporting cattle live to be gilled for eating, a they're going to die. B you're not really expecting them to be treated that well. I, 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 I wouldn't have thought it was a surprise. That was the thing. Yet everyone acted in this kind of completely shocked kind of manner. Firstly, what is it about sending cows on boats that you don't think is natural? Secondly, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of the, you the swim. A lot of the blowback was was anti-Muslim sentiment. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, and a lot of the blowback was uh, anti-live export sentiment. Mm. Now, I I think that the uh, whereas the message was really, uh, can we have some controls here? It, 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 the the message was kind of this is shocking, but none of it actually needs to to stop except for the horrible torture and mistreatment of of cattle. We are mm. still sending it off to be killed. Let's not forget that. I think was the uh, was the point. Well, it's been but, bred to be killed. But as as investigative journalism goes, where is its place on on television if it's just going to be uh, misunderstood that way. What are you arguing that we shouldn't have investigative journalism because morons get the wrong end of the stick and and stop buying and and damage our economy here? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. 
It's exactly what I said. Isn't, no, isn't said, that what it, what it works around to? No, because there there is the other we should option. Always have investigative there is the other option of we can have investigative journalism, but then we need to re-report it with uh, with, with some kind of responsibility. Fact sheets. So where are you? So you're saying that the current affair kind of takes. I'm off saying it. that I'm saying that investigative journalism is useless without the responsible re-reporting of it. I think we need more fact sheets. We do need more fact sheets. What's well, it, it's been available the entire show all week. The current affair should have seen and, and continues to be addressed envelope with a Yeah, but I need, anybody can watch it on iView anytime they want. But I need 45 minutes to sit through that, Brett. So a fact if, sheet. If a it's fact, turning, a fact sheet, people are going to send off an envelope yeah, with, a, with, envelope with a, with a stamp on it. Stamp envelope, and then current affair can say, "Here it is. We got it. The mail." Here's, here's a fact sheet. If you want, you can you can also have your fact sheet faxed to you. A faxed fact sheet. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Who's got faxes anymore? The people who want the fact sheet. Will they email sheet. it? No, what? it's a fact <laughs> sheet. It's a fact sheet. It's a fact sheet. It's not a fact email. How is it a sheet if it's on your screen? It's not. You're you ruining the whole purity of the fact sheet. Print it out if you need to at your end. You can also you can print also it at your end. Uh, you can also get them in in multiple sizes at Manchester shops. <laughs> and that is the box cutters news. <laughs> is this? Apparently, I'm Andy Anderson, and I'm with the box cutters. This is box cutting at its extreme, at its pinnacle. The Almighty Johnsons. <laughs> so I was waiting for Andy to say some more stuff. There yeah, I was. Andy uh, uh, was in the Sullivans and uh, has been on Australian TV for Good a long time. Voice. A lot of people uh, aren't that aware that he's a Kiwi, and uh, he actually does a lot of Kiwi uh, shows that uh, don't cross the the straits. Genius, mm-hmm. genius, Brett Cropley. Mm-hmm. The Almighty Johnsons, which is the show that we're talking about now, is a show from New Zealand. People from New Zealand are often called Kiwis. What a segue. I know. <laughs> I know. Andy Anderson, because you're saying Andy Anderson is both a bird and a fruit. Yes. <laughs> I can I say this? I hate this current thing for kiwi fruit to have the word fruit dropped off the end of it. It seems to be quite common now. So you go to a supermarket and it says, pear and kiwi flavoured. I go, yeah. Feathers and bits of beak in it. It's a bird. A kiwi's a bird. They're endangered. Yeah, but you know what? They're really easy to pick up. So they nothing can't fly, should be kiwi so. flavored. If you see kiwi flavored, do not eat it. It will be awful. Anyway, go on. Mm. <laughs> Actually, kiwi fruit flavor is not much better, but that's a fruit. At least that makes sense. Good point, well made. <laughs> on our <laughs> Almighty Johnsons is a uh, is a show that uh, that airs on TV three in New Zealand. Apparently, Channel Ten have the rights to show it here, mm-hmm. but it is also available on DVD from New Zealand. We suggest you get it that way if you intend to watch it, because who knows when Channel Ten are going to are going to show it? You He's, think it's worth getting on DVD? I said. What do you think if, about it? Well, uh, t- tell us, Josh. Quick, go. <laughs> Well, what, what's it about first? Well, start there. It comes from the creators of Outrageous Fortune, which uh, we, we've talked about before on this show, and that's one of New Zealand's most popular dramas. Longest running, apparently. Not short and straight. Not short and straight, but, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so Axel Johnson has just turned 21, and his brothers tell him that he's now the mortal version of the Norse god Odin, the All-Father. It's the old, old story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's a coming-of-age story like everyone you've heard. (laughs) Of course, being Odin is not all it's cracked up to be. People keep trying to kill him, and he has to find and marry the mortal version of the goddess Frigg, or his whole family and a large part of northern New Zealand are doomed. 
that's pretty much the show. Pretty much it. Except... It is complicated because the goddesses want to they're, want, they're, want to change things up. They well, they, they've had they, they they want to put a kibosh on it. Uh, so so there's there's all this going on. It, it, so it sounds like oh well, just another science fiction fantasy story about Norse gods. Ugh, I'm so sick of those. <laughs> Ugh, it's another Game of Thrones and blah blah blah. No, no, it's not because it's set in the present day. And it has present day problems. And it's also much more about the family, which is interesting. It's much more about the brothers and, and the dysfunctional relationship between them. I, now, I mentioned this show last year as well. I was looking forward to it because I thought it was just going to be complete trash and nudity. And I have to say, this is my favorite show of the year. I think it's phenomenal. I, I, I went into this expecting just trash and camp, and I found it incredibly moving, really well done. It looks amazing. The cast, I think, are astonishing across the board. There are little bits of plot that don't necessarily make sense, but... <laughs> we, 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 were talking, we were talking about this the other day, John, you, you and I. We, we, usually, we, not, we usually try not to, to mention reviews before we, we come in. But, but we, we got together and both went, Almighty Johnson's... How good is it? It's and, great. I love it too. Uh, yeah. And then we started talking about the first episode and how there's all this exposition in the first episode that just doesn't make sense with subsequent episodes. And I think you've just got to push that away as as crazy first episode. There's yeah, a couple of bits like, and pieces. Here, was it, it was it pilot issues? It's well, it's more that there's a, there's a bit where they kind of it's the bit about destroying the family in New Zealand bit, which actually doesn't quite make sense because if that had happened before, then how would they kind of know about it? Or there's a couple of bits and pieces that are there to make it slightly more dramatic to give it a ticking clock. Because the idea as well is that much like a Slayer, in every generation there is a new incarnation of each Norse god. But it's not all the one family that. Well, gets it, the Odin. It's all one family now, but the indication is that there was yeah. another family that got destroyed, but would have got destroyed when their granddad, who's this guy who looks like 30-odd, but he's actually 90-something years old. Na- 92, almost 93. Right. Um, he was around at the same time. So anyway, well, that, actually, that's actually, that's, bit, that's, that's all explained in the first clip that we've got, uh, which is the one that doesn't have a two at the end of it. Brad. <laughs> it doesn't have a, t- a two at the, en- uh, at the end of it. Yes. Yes, I see what you mean. Goody to make the time. Oh, you know me, I'm all about family. We should kick this thing off. What thing? Thought I was meeting a grandpa I don't have. Surprise. It's a bit of a shock, I know. The truth is, I'm your granddad, not your cousin. I'm 92 years old, nearly 93. Okay, someone's been doing the magic mushrooms again, Cuz. No shrooms, Axel. This is real. On my 21st birthday, I became the mortal incarnation of Boulder. So, I am, among other things, the god of rebirth. Every morning I am born again. Not literally, thank God. (laughs) Bottom line is, I get old really, really, really slowly. I know it's freaky, but what you need to get your head around, Axel, is that your family are all gods. Gods? Norse gods. Norse gods from Norsewood. That's where us Norse gods ended up. Fleeing religious persecution by the religious. After the big mistake of leaving Asgard to walk amongst the mortals. Till the mortals started chasing us pagans with sticks and burning our houses down. So we bravely ran away. To New Zealand. (laughs) Okay, what the fuck is going on? I'm Ul. Ragi, god of poetry. Hod, god of everything dark and cold. 
Yay hard. Okay, you are seriously mental if you think I'm falling for this crap. Very funny. Haha. Uh -huh. <clears throat> you saw a fucking sword at me? Hey, no. I threw it at the tree. If I'd thrown it at you, it would have hit you and killed you, which would kind of defeat the purpose. What purpose? You'll see. Fuck this, you guys are mental. You need to stay. I love the irony of how ice can also burn. What an awesome superpower. Get the sword. Get it. And bring it here. It, it is, it's, the music in this show is great. The, the acting is really good. As he said, it's, it, it looks really good. It's really well shot. It's really well graded. It also makes Auckland look like such a kind of, like New York or something, which is yeah, kind of interesting. It, it, it says. Without the buildings. Well, but it sort of says New Zealand is important in a way that, you know, it's not suburban. It's quite an urban looking series. In, in, in that same way that in, uh, in, in uh, Outrageous Fortune, Everything kind of looks small and suburban. Everything looks uh, distant and and isolated. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It, it kind of makes Auckland look like the hub of activity. Mm. I, I couldn't work out what was with the wooden stairs up to the front door of Ull's place where Axel had grown up. I can't remember now. Are you just asking asking a question about architecture now? It annoyed me. Well, there is, there is. um, Do they have wooden steps up to Mike? Mike, uh, wooden wooden houses are apparently quite common in New Zealand because I remember talking. Well, wooden houses are also very common in uh, San Francisco and other earthquake areas. Right. So, wood's great if you want to build a house. I I did find it funny that uh, Mike does spend about six episodes building one house and putting one bit of wood in but that was kind of, but that's on his that's on his weekends that, that is true uh, Listen, that was that was it actually in the frame that the house frame that, that wasn't the one he was fixing up with yeah yeah that was that was the, the different one the uh I, that that'll that'll be i love it it's it's really entertaining i couldn't wait to to watch the next episode uh, it was for me the perfect mix of fantasy and realistic uh, drama. Uh, the because the problems Axel has are, you know, aside from the whole suddenly discovering that he's Odin thing, other problems that a twenty-one-year-old has. He's skint. He's he's got no future to speak of. He lives in a share house that is often a mess. Got the hots uh, for his housemate. And he's, yeah. and he's got the hots for his housemate. And this unresolved sexual tension between him and his housemate, who is played by... by Keisha Castle-Hughes. He, From Whale Rider. He, yeah. She, yeah. I thought she was a Whale Rider, mm-hmm. and then I just found out she's only an actor. Keisha oh. Castle-Hughes and I, born in the same town. Yeah. Really? IMDB, that's the way you can connect to me and Keisha Castle-Hughes. <laughs> right. She's not a Kiwi. She's a lie. She was born in Donningbrook in West oh, Australia. Really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's all coming out now, isn't it? Keisha Castle Hughes. But yeah, um, you heard it here first, or not? Or, if you heard or it on elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it is, it's also great because the way that Axel reacts to this is believably the way that an Antipodean twenty-one-year-old does. It's it's both a kind of you know shit, fuck off, and dude kind of yeah. reaction. I got a fantastic sword. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not but supposed course, to show it to anyone, but I yeah, really They're not allowed to, to tell anybody. Yeah. And there's a lovely bit where Axel, um, I don't think it's a spoiler, but there's a lovely bit where he needs to find out more about what's going on. So he goes to the library and ends up with my first book of Norse gods to kind of flip <laughs> through. And it's just gorgeous. That's what you would do. It kind of makes sense. That's and a picture of me. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've put together uh, audio clips from three different scenes in the first episode that really set out the beats of setting up the, the sexual tension between Axel and Gaia, who is his his housemate. She's not a god. She's, she's just got a Well she might be a god. She might she, she might be a god. But we don't she's we not don't an acknowledged god. But But uh, we, don't, we don't know at this but point if she is. But it's think. it's quite obvious from the first scene, uh, but there's no audio to to go with that. She gives him a look and clearly she's into him. But there, it, it, there are some really nice beats in that first episode that just show it. And I've put them together as audio clips to, to try to give you an idea of just how well-crafted this this show is. Because it, it is also really well-written. Like, everything about it is good. Actually, I think it's kind of cool how our fate looks the same after a natural disaster as it did before. That's because I've got two useless dicks as flatmates. And you love us. Forget the tidying, have a beer. It's after midnight. Stand up. Why? So I can hug you, idiot. Happy 21st, Axel. And then this is new scene. You want to go to the pub? I thought you had a family thing to do today. Whatever Mike's being all deeper meaningful about can wait till tonight. Let's just go to the pub instead. Shouldn't you be pacing yourself? I don't even want the stupid party. It'll be fun. It'll be Valerie fussing and Mike playing dad. Please just say we can go to the pub. I have to go to work. And then I've got to pick up my dress for tonight. Now I have to get all flashed up for the party. Maybe I want to. Fine. Means it will just go to the pub without you. Seb's gone to work. Then it'll just be me at the pub, won't it? Hmm. Awesome sword. Where did you get that? He's been playing it's kind with of a the sword. Can I have a go? No. I'll let you play with mine if I can play with yours. Hey? Okay. Mine isn't as big as yours, but it's still pretty. Ah! Sorry. What the hell was that for? I just saw the dagger and I reacted. I love that dagger, man. Sorry. Check you out. You scrub up well? Stop it. Nice sword. So, let's go get Comet. Sounds like a plan. And I love that because by the end of the first episode, and I usually don't care about unresolved sexual tension you just you want them to get together you just do like it's it, it's so well structured in in that way in in a way that i haven't seen in australian television for a very long time that it, that it is there's also a thing it's only 10 episodes and for me so many of these sorts of shows just fall apart at the end like i don't think being human uh, series two or three came to a, a very good conclusion i don't think being a uh, Galactica did this had a lovely end. I, I was really convinced that if they never make any more, 
I'm really satisfied with what I got. If they do make more, there's a really interesting direction for them to go. Um, and they left us so unresolved. It's, un- it's unresolved, but it's resolved. Emotionally, it did feel like, oh, well, yeah, that's the end of one chapter. There's another one to begin. So, I mean, look, so we obviously want to, you know, um, get this show pregnant behind the middle school. What, 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 what did you, do, think, do you Brad? think, Brad? We want to what? <laughs> we want to, get it, we want to get it pregnant behind the shelter sheds. Um, uh, I, I, I find, and I, I guess it goes over Outrageous Fortune and, and this show, and, and it's probably this just uh, South Pacific Films uh, style, that they, they seem to be happy with no glitter, for, for want of another word. Like, it's, it, they're, they're not trying to be celeb kind of... They don't, they don't cast their shows with good-looking people. They've got very... very I, oh, I, think, I, I think that's just like New Zealand. Are they good-looking people from New Zealand? I really? think they're good-looking people. I, I'm, I oh, think there's definitely oh, some... Oh, John, there's, there's, this, there's this one scene around uh, about episode seven or, or something where three hot girls are... Uh, are supposed to be over at Anders' house. Yeah. They're supposed to be three hot oh, girls, yeah, yeah. and and they're not three hot girls. But those are convincing. They're one and a half. They're, they're con- one and a half. They're convincing <laughs> real world hot girls, though. That's 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 my point. And I, that's I, what I believe I'm saying. Them. Yeah, but I would say I, which I, which I don't mind. I, I find it refreshing. I think I think they're all realistic. One looking. one of the goddesses, Michelle, the dark haired one, I thought was was a um, who looked a little bit like Lucy Lawless from from Xena. Oh, she's, she's, she's totally very foxy. Hot. Yeah, very very foxy. She was also in McLeod's. I've got to say the boys too. Basically, there is some some very nice. Boy toddy on action here. If you yeah, if you like that, that there sort is of thing. there is a, 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 a selection. Re- rewatching <laughs> it today, there is in the in the first <sighs> in the first episode, there is a very long scene of Anders walking around completely naked. naked. Yeah. and I went, oh yeah, I can see why people would like that. Anders is hot, Hod's hot, Boulder's hot. There's a bunch of them. But, <laughs> all, but also, they're they're unconvincing. I think as brothers because they're so different, and and like especially with the opening coming into the second second episode, it was like. Introducing a boy band that that is yeah look that may be a fair point you don't necessarily <laughs> believe these people are related I'm but the that, angsty one I'm the gay one but that that could be a you know a kind of combination of 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 how Norse reincarnation works that you end up with a bunch of brothers who don't look very similar <laughs> I, I'm I'm, re- I'm I'm willing to push that tiny tiny thing aside <laughs> I, I was so distracted that and the by staircase it. I'm willing to push aside. but when you say no glitter though did, was, you not, did you not think the cinematography though and the the, the design I think it's a, a beautiful yeah like all yeah, yeah all, all a, that was pretty I'd, I'd I can't. I can't think of seeing any of of anything that looks like a big town at all. Well, there's, there's a lot of bars. There's a lot of bars. There's a lot of. That's what I was thinking about the fact that it feels. You know, people do go to these very glamorous looking. You know, bars. There, and lots of events. And, there's always an opening. Yeah. Anders is always, you know, working very hard as a publicist. You are, you are right though that it is very very. Canny with the use of exteriors, yes. which is kind of quite interesting. That there's there's one like unless it's in their suburban world, yeah. or in the forest. There's one at the very beginning where Anders sees the sea turned to blood. Uh, not Anders, sorry, um, uh, the Ty, Todd, Ty um, who's my favourite character. Uh, yes, and he sees this, and, and you never kind of get that kind of vista again. But what I meant was more just the the places they go to feel very very contemporary. It's not it's like a yeah, there's one ordinary pub, I think, that shows up a couple of times, and that's about it. Yep. Well, that's that's yeah. another thing that I really like about it, is that it, it does... And I know I keep going on about things that I like about it while Brett's trying to talk about staircases, but <laughs> one of the things I really... Is, is it is it is a good, you know, sci-fi fantasy, what you would call genre, John, yep. uh, story, on a very low budget, and it... 
it, it is all there. It's all there in the story. I'm it not, has nice I'm effects. Not there's, there's, a, there's nice effects, but very sparingly used. And there's like one great fight sequence, which happens at a party, which my favorite bit is when it finishes, I go, wow, what a great fight sequence, <laughs> which is just fantastic. So that's what Kiwis would do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Clearly, clearly, they don't have the youth alcohol problem over there that well, we're dealing with. But here. that's interesting like, too. Isn't it? Everybody's out there. There's a lot of alcohol. There's also yeah, but see, Secret Life. Secret Life of Us was like that. I mean, that's that's going back ten years, but that's that's what it was like. But it's weirdly realistic, though. The use of kind of yeah, and even like things like um, is, yeah. the fact that uh, uh, what's Boulder's real name? The the grandfather Olaf. Olaf. Olaf actually basically is willing to impregnate women and run off on them. And it's a horrible, horrible thing, but it's kind of, it's so matter of fact that that's what and, he and does. I guess I'll go get a termination. Because it's partly it's it's, his generation kind of, it's really odd. It's, it's really that, odd. That, that, that whole thing of, I'd rather just not wear a condom, so I'm not going to. And to hear that said without a moral judgment coming on it, even though a moral judgment is actually needed, but it's interesting to see that the show is willing to actually let these characters... Yeah, and, say and do things like and, that. And a 92-year-old, I can imagine, would not care. Mm. I, I found it... I really I really liked it. Once I, and once I noticed uh, Axel's mongy arm, I just couldn't not... Has he got look. a mongy arm? Yes, he has a mongy arm. He's, that he's, he, he hides a lot he by putting his, one his hand in his hand. pocket. Oh, and, and, he hides his left hand a lot. What kind of mong has it got on it? It, it kind of sits like that, so, so it's, it's almost like... The, the forearm's been broken and, right. and set badly, so his wrist is going to further turn around. Because, yeah, I couldn't work out why he was hiding his arm so often. Yeah. And now, it was now I know. distracting once I Now I know he's got, um, he's got Radar O'Reilly disease. There I was following the plot. I have, I have watched uh, all, all of the season, um, all ten episodes. I, th- I thought that it kind of got a little bit bogged down, maybe episodes seven and eight, maybe into nine even. I know I'm, I'm well. I, I can't remember uh, exactly which is which, but I remember think thinking maybe it lost some momentum. I think really worked. Like the me. angsty stuff about coma Rob coming out of his coma. Oh no! But that's see, all, I think all of that's important. That is all important. It's it important, but I think that it, it took too long. Mm. I think you're nitpicking. I think you're nitpicking. For Brad. me, for me, it got slow, and and I almost ran out of path. But but definitely. I guess probably the last half, the second half of, of episode nine and and ep ten. I'm curious. Loved it and I'm, and want to get into the second series. I'm curious to know after the discussion about the killing, where where you guys were saying that if you watched it every week, you would just stop. But watching one go was actually interesting. Do you think if you're watching it weekly, would that have seemed more or less obvious to you than watching it kind of in one big lump, which we did? I think probably more because because it's a, because it's a couple of weeks of slowness. I may not go back. What if it had rain and jumpers in it? (laughs) No, that's just boring. Right. Well, that's the amazing... uh, No, the Almighty Johnsons. The Almighty Johnsons, which you can buy on DVD from New Zealand if you've got a mate in New Zealand. And I want you to buy it on DVD so they'll make a second series. Yeah. And uh, check out the website at thealmightyjohnsons.co.nz. And you're not sending them to some horrible site, are you, right? (laughs) That's, That's the real site. Okay. Hi, this is television Scott Brennan. Apparently there's no N in Box Cutter. This is the Box Cutters. I'm Brett Cropley from the Box Cutters podcast. You're probably listening to it right now. In the past few weeks, you've heard us tell you about donating money to help keep the podcast going. We don't get money from any other sources to any significant level, really. In the last six years, we've sold five t-shirts 
and made $25. Josh gave away a t-shirt at some science fiction convention. That t-shirt cost $25. I'd like you to donate, but if you don't, I'm not going to cry about it. You either value the work we do, or you don't. Either way, we'll probably keep doing it. There are donate buttons on the website if you want to use them. That's all. I'll leave you with that info and leave you and your conscience to listen to the rest of the show. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. So we had uh, an email from a listener saying I would love it if uh, if Josh could talk about Amazing Race for one bit every week. The challenge was laid. And I ignored it. Here, uh, <laughs> last week. Yeah, and John said, I think that's a good idea. Actually, right. I think the minute was mine. I think the, oh. the email said they wanted you to talk about it every week. And I thought, to a point. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually suggested, yes, I, I, it was me. Right. that If we make it one minute, you have exactly one minute. It was you week. in a dress. <laughs> in a dress. I think it should be one minute. <laughs> um, so that, yeah. So yes. Yeah, so a listener did think you should do a weekly segment. And I just kind of modified that. <laughs> okay. So, so I've got one minute to talk about The Amazing Race. My time starts now. I wanted to talk about the hosts of The Amazing Race because I've watched every single season of The Amazing Race, The Amazing Race Original, The Amazing Race Asia, and now The Amazing Race Australia. And I want to talk about uh, Phil Kogan, Alan Wu, Grant Bowler, also known as Caucasian Phil, Asian Phil, Australian Phil. Uh, Caucasian Phil and Australian Phil, both New Zealanders. It's very interesting to see how these three people all do the same job with very different intentions. So Phil Kogan kind of does it with this, I'm here, I get to travel around the world, I'm kind of excited, but I'm really talking about it like a host. Grant Bowler couldn't care less. He's there, he doesn't care less. Alan Wu is the happiest man in the world. He gesticulates, he has big hands, he he talks at you very loudly with a big smile. Those are the differences between all the hosts in The Amazing Race. Hey, this is James Talia, and you're listening to the spot where you can find out everything good, bad, and otherwise on your box. It's the box cutters. Yeah, it worked better than I thought. Oh, did it? Did it? Nice. Nice. Uh, John. Yes. You and I went on an excursion. We did. To uh, to Docklands in on, Melbourne. On my birthday, oddly enough. <laughs> it was your birthday. This is how we celebrate John's birthday. <laughs> we go, yes, I was born in the same place as Keisha Castle Hughes. Um, so we went off to... <laughs> but not the same day. <laughs> not the same day. No, no. She's a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> So, yes, we went so up you, to Docklands. You got an email. Did you get an email I from did Channel get, 9? I did get an email to, from Channel 9. To your Outland I, email address? I, I think it must have been to, yeah, to the, the, the blog right. address. How odd. I, I can't remember because, yeah, it, it gets filtered. So, you got spammed by Channel 9. I did get spammed by Well, this is the thing because I've got Gmail set up so various things go to various places. So, I'm not quite sure where it came from. But um, it was an email saying, do you want to unlock the power of television? Come to our special event at Docklands. And I was curious you know i thought well let's let's go and see and because also from how it was written i assumed it was like a seminar and we just sit there and they would play a video to us 1984 starling and that's and that's what i thought as well and i I received that same invitation the year previous and thought uh no i can't really be bothered but uh but then you said to me well if i've got a pal and I thought, you know, just so we could chat about box cutters, just to see what sort of thing was going on. 
that would be interesting. So we registered, and we turned up, and it's not just playing you a video. There's a one-on-one guy who comes to talk to you about your business <laughs> and what now, you do. He's been waiting for months for somebody to actually take him up on his playing, offer. Playing Channel, playing Channel 9 at their own game, uh, we went in with a secret microphone. We, we had a hidden microphone. It was in my jacket. So there's there's some audio coming up later. You might hear me unzipping the pocket. I like to smell my flower. <laughs> yes, well, yes. So there's a lot of that. And and I've decided not to take any audio from the the guy that we were talking to. I, but I do want to talk about the weird cult like way that we got introduced to this thing. So I turned up before John. I wanted to know if we were in the right place. Uh, go into a building, because it was at the Docklands Studios, which is very large, and th- there are lots Where of... Where are they? They're right down the end of Dockland Street, near Dockland <laughs> Hotel. Uh, so, so if, you, if you're going... You know where the big wheel Lonsdale is? Lonsdale Street. Yeah, yeah Street. it's quite near where that big wheel is. Where the Southern Star used to, used to be. Yeah, Harbour Town. Yeah. yeah, so it's around, it's around the corner from Harbour Town. We had coffee in Harbour Town afterwards. Harbour Town's awful! It's the saddest place <laughs> in the world. It is, I know. It's I know. the smell of it's, despair. It's because the life <laughs> was brought to the place by the wheel. That isn't there. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah har- it's, I, I think their they're slogan is Harbour Town, where, where bargains go to die. But you can so, go to Costco. Sure, we didn't. Come uh, visit Melbourne, listeners. So, so I'm in this. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm where all these sound stages are because that's that's where these studios are. Giant sound stages, like in Hollywood, but sadder. And uh, and I go into bustling with activity. Is I go, no, I go into this. Oh. Only one of them was uh, was possibly producing anything. Oh. Uh, I go into this uh, this door because I can vaguely see a sign. I go in. I say, "Oh, is this where the Channel Nine thing is?" They say, "Yes." Where are you from? And so. Thinking quickly on my feet, I say that I, I'm from Soup Giant, which is the, the company that uh, uh, that I run, makes uh, websites. If you want a website, give us a call. And uh, and I say I'm from Soup Giant, but I'm waiting for my friend uh, from the Outland Institute to arrive. Uh, so should I just wait outside? And they go, oh, no, Barry will take care of you. And, uh, and so the receptionist calls back and says, Barry, can you take care of Josh? Barry comes out. In a salesman's suit. Is he sharp? Is and, he looking uh, like a salesman? He's uh, he's looking like a salesman straight out of college, oh. straight out of uni. Uh, he's got glasses. So like he's, got a li- he's got a little bit of a lisp, uh, but he's very enthusiastic. And he goes, "Oh, Josh, so what do you do? What's your business?" Starts talking to me and walking me into the room. So uh, I can't wait for John. And the main room itself is done up. There's different little areas, like there's a couch, and there's a, and so everyone's got this one-on-one attention, or you know, if there's two of you, one person for each two. So when I turned up, he said, "So what do you guys do?" And I kind of went, uh, uh, "We sell ponies to nuns." <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> something, but um, it sounds it, it sounds like you walked into a timeshare. It was very, it, it, felt it, like. it felt very timesharey, and it, it felt, felt a little bit sleazy and dirty, and a little bit desperate. And this is the thing: the first bit wasn't so bad, but then when we went into the next room, they showed us this. They video. showed us this video, and and so I've got I've got uh, bits from. From the video, but the the idea was that you would go in and you would buy a package of advertising that they've that they've packaged up into demographics and time slots and uh, and channels because of course now they've got three channels to sell advertising on and that they would make the ad for you for free. Uh-huh. So they're trying to ramp you up through Quiz Monkey kind of time. Uh, 
Well, they they Chris do. Chris Mania time. No, I these, these were for more. Those no, new they, listeners these these were more. These were much more mainstream, prime timey kind uh-huh. of slots. But at at one point, the guy did say, to us, "Did this guy think that you guys had?" Well, we we, we turned we, up. We, we turned up to the thing. We must suits? be interested. No, no, but uh, you know, running a web business, we've got all that brand new web yeah, bubble web money, money from nineteen ninety nine. Yes. Uh, the. Uh, the the prices are as confusing as you would expect pricing for anything to be. But we'll, Josh we'll has in his the... hands the big shiny booklet which divides it up by city and demographic. Or the demographic still very vague. It was all very vague, very amorphous. So this this was all for Melbourne. Oh no no sorry. This is yeah for for all cities. Uh, you can buy. So if you want to advertise on Go, aimed at grocery buyers, for. 30, 15 minutes, seconds, in Melbourne, that will cost you about $50,000. For 30 slots. For 30 slots. Of 15, 15 seconds. Of 15 yeah. seconds. So what's the audio that you have for us, John? So the, the first bit, so this all comes from the video because it was, A, very difficult to, to record uh, this guy, and B, he was just doing his job. Uh, and he was actually quite a decent bloke. Which yeah. the, one, the guy we got actually had to admit at the end that yes, it would be bad to sell us one of these packages. Yeah, and I, I felt I felt a little bit bad for wasting his time, but uh, but you know if we put some menacing music around it and put it in black and white, <laughs> people will believe us. Uh, but yeah, he 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 did admit that uh, these packages weren't for us, but maybe he could sell us something else. That being said, I gave him my card. He's never contacted me. I've got all this advertising money to to spend and, and nothing to spend it on. What am I going to do, Channel 9? <laughs> uh, so they take us into this room after giving us a sandwich that is not laced with arsenic. It was a good sandwich. It really was. Mm. It was a very tasty sandwich. Just one, though. Just one. Did you get a drink? I think we could choose sandwich or drink. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there were drinks as well. There was a coffee machine and stuff we, we could have had. I didn't get that because I was late. They didn't offer it to me. Right, well, that's what you get for being late. Yeah, late comes to not get a drink. Uh, and, then, and then we're ushered into this room. And the guy says, look, you can watch the video. You cannot watch the video. It's up to you. It's just a video. It's a video. They're going to tell you stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, buddy, I want to watch this video. <laughs> I want to watch this video more than you even know. You and your chief. He was trying know. to downplay the video. It was really... He? And, and uh, you don't understand how interested I am in this video. So so we go in. Lavinia Nixon comes out. Hardest working woman in, in Melbourne. In the room. Clearly. Yeah. Lavinia Nixon comes in out in, in front of everybody and says, thank you very much for coming. This is oh, the second how, many, how many people are you there with now? Uh, ne- there are maybe 20, 30 people yeah, in this room. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So she, they were she, doing four of these a day as well, four of these slots. Four of these slots over three days. Mm-hmm. And Paul Lavinia is probably there for every single one of them. She just does whatever she's asked. It's, it's, it's amazing. She could have used one of those sandwiches, though. Anyway, uh, she gets up in, in front and, and welcomes everybody and talks about how exciting it is and how not to forget that uh, if we do buy a package today, we do go into the running to win this BMW car. And there's only 100 packages and they've already sold 84 of them. So get in to win the car. Get, get it quick. You're going to win that car. Spend 50 grand with us, win an 80 grand car. If you spend the 50 grand in the next half hour, you get some steak knives. Yeah. She didn't say that, but it was implied. <laughs> I, I would have asked for them. <laughs> yes. And so then she introduces a video. So, so Lavinia introduces a video. Carl Stefanovic is on the video. Carl Stefanovic introduces David Gingell. David Gingell talks for a little while and then introduces the video. 
on the video that Carl and Lavinia have already introduced. This is uh, David Gingell, CEO of Nine Entertainment Company, telling us about how his dad invented television and it just keeps getting better and stronger, except for that laggy bit at the start. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the home of television, Channel 9. And thank you for taking the opportunity to come along today. What you're about to see will be worth the visit many times over. Let me bring you up to speed with our world of television. Big changes have been few and far between in the last 55 years. TV was launched by my father, Bruce, in 1956. Arguably, the next big thing was the introduction of colour TV in 1975. So to the present, and in the last 18 months, Australian television has undergone nothing short of a revolution. From the old world that looked like this, to the current world that looks like this, from five channels to 16 channels almost overnight, and the Australian consumer has voted unanimously with TV viewing up to record highs. So what does this mean to small and medium businesses? Is that TV, once the domain of the biggest companies, is now affordable to all of you. I've been around television all my life, and I know that TV is by far and away the most powerful form of advertising. Most advertisers also know this, but for a lot of you, it has simply been too expensive. Well, now it's not, and today we'll show you how. Please enjoy our presentation. So you can, like you can already, hockey. You, you, <laughs> does, you, you can already tell how difficult it is for them to, to make this sell, because at the, at the same time, they're trying to say that television is majestic and unique and common and affordable. There was also that thing, though, that it, it did feel, and this thing we were saying, and part of when we went and why we were discussing this, was that we've done a lot of discussion on box cutters about television, the box in your room versus television, the content that you consume, and you didn't get the feeling that Channel 9 has had any of those conversations at all. It's like they still seem to believe that television was this all-powerful, pumping thing. You know, Nobody uh, ever watches anything else. Well, exactly. There's no distractions. Like you just said, the changes were few and far between. There's no reference to the fact you know people are watching it in downloads, people are watching it on box sets, people are watching it you know on YouTube. They've got two extra channels now. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and just this sense that they were refusing to believe that world was changing and were now having to prostitute themselves to much smaller companies than they would normally have done in the past. So, so this is a new thing that Channel 9 have done, uh, or that the Nine Entertainment Company have, have done in the past two or three years, uh, since they've stopped being number one, and since they've had more TV channels to cover and fill with advertising. They've had to go and, and spruik to, to the everyman. It was also interesting because this video was also badly made. Like, it looked terrible. And was it Gingell who needed to comb his hair? No, it was the guy at the end who, who I don't have any quotes from because he was just boring. But that guy at the end who had to comb his hair slash toupee. I got so annoyed going, <laughs> I can't believe you're making this video. A, badly. And B, no hair or makeup people have come in. And you're letting this guy go on with terrible hair. It's like, what? And you want me to give you my money so you can make me an ad? Yeah. And so, so they, you know, they're clearly throwing all their biggest stars for, from their stable at, at you. They've got Lavinia Nixon in the room. They've got Carl Stefanovic hosting the whole the whole video. They also have Channel... So he comes back after? He, he does come back later. We'll, we'll get to him. I've got another quote from him. Like, I've got two more quotes from him later. But then we go into Ross Greenwood, who is uh, what I, I like to call him the money shouter. He's Channel 9's uh, Today Show money shouter. He has a minute to shout money information at you. <laughs> First thing in the morning, and uh, and he comes in to. Uh, oh, I thought that guy was talking about a Hollywood gossip. 
We should combine those two. That'd oh, be that'd awesome. Be, that, there's a slightly different pitch in their voice, oh. but otherwise exactly the same. The Hollywood gossip guy gets a lot more airtime than the money guy. Just uh, and and he's on every more. It's. I wish they would change the the channels at my gym. Uh, so they clearly do one of these for every single market, and so need to leave spaces for advertisers in that market when they want to give examples and, and things like that. Spaces for people with Queensland access to... Yeah, so, and Ross, so Ross Greenwood clearly has... A, like, there's so clearly a Mr Black moment in this, <laughs> uh, in this snippet here. Well, today we're here to show you an advertising strategy that will help you answer these challenges over the next 12 months for a price that is affordable to small and medium business. Now, let's consider some well-known brands... Now, all of these companies were once small businesses, but now you instantly recognise them and understand their product or service offering. These businesses all have something in common apart from their success. They all include free-to-air television advertising in their marketing mix, and they all advertise consistently. As David said, TV is still the main act, the biggest show in town, and the advertising medium that really puts your business on the map. Thank you, Shelbyville. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it, it's really. It could only have been better if he had said product and or service offering. Yeah. You're the birthday. You're the birthday. You're the birthday boy or girl. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and I also love the way he said, as David just told you, as if he calls David Gingell David and not Mister Gingell or <laughs> Sir or could I have my check please now? So 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 that happens, and then Carl Stefanovic comes back. And and starts juggling numbers in 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 front of us. Is he trying to make somebody cry on this video? <laughs> if only. Oh, uh, that would that would have been a bit more entertaining, but uh, but only just. So it's it's clear that Carl's you know doing this on his break. He just wants to go home after a busy day today. But he also has uh, been told that Channel Nine have promised him a gold logie, so <laughs> he's going to do this re- regardless. Uh, and. Here he is explaining how all the nine branded channels work, all three of the nine branded channels work. We have campaign options with Channel 9, Go and Gem. Let's have a close look at our network. Three channels working to complement each other and deliver the biggest and best audience. First, Channel 9, tried and true. The home of television and a broad demographic of all people. Then, Go. Specifically targeting a 20 to 40 year old demographic with the hottest new shows from the US. And making up the team, Gem, great entertainment, targeting Australians predominantly aged 35 plus. So let's put these channels into some kind of perspective. Please. Here in Melbourne, each and every week, Channel 9 reaches more than 3.4 million viewers. Over 90% of metropolitan households can now access digital TV. And Go reaches out to a staggering 2 million viewers. Gem, our newest offering, is already reaching over 1.3 million viewers. TV is where most advertisers want to advertise. It's a sign of a company's ambitions and prosperity, and television builds businesses. Those weasel words. Yeah. 90% of of households in in Victoria can now access also digital TV. TV people that people want to advertise. On television, it's full of weasel words. It's really and odd. and words like reach. Mm-hmm. So it's reaching this many viewers, which means this many viewers either have access to it 
watch it at some point, uh, but there's no real. If you dig even just below the surface, there's there's nothing there. Even even in their description of the three channels that they have, there's nothing there. They talk about targeting. We target this. We target that. But then when you nut out what they're actually targeting, they're targeting all Australians between twenty and forty. There was a lovely moment though. I don't know if you want to mention this, where where the Barry was saying to you that Gem was aimed at female viewers, which you could tell because they had a pink logo. Yes. While he was standing in front of the Go logo, which is also pink. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, this is the kind of the thought that we're we're seeing from Channel Nine, isn't it? And, even and then they're, they're they're also targeting. For, so for Gem, so the video didn't say that they're targeting women for Gem. They said they're targeting Australians thirty five plus. Which so if you're between thirty five and dead, which is Channel Nine, we're targeting really. you. And also the thing was they had no statistics to show that the TV advertising would actually help. There was virtually nothing to to. Uh, Concrete prove that this, and it's all no. Like, they had they had three, three. Uh, the woman from Sales testimonials, the <laughs> yeah. The the woman from some seafood restaurant. Three testimonials where people have gone. Yes, advertising has worked for us in some respects. My aunt has told me that she's seen our ads on TV. Like just. None of these stories were were convincing or exciting. But also, it was only testimonials. There was no actual concrete. You know, information they could give us. And even listening to that, it's like, you want to well, be on TV because not... it makes you look important. It's like, well, that doesn't, that seems a waste of money if I'm just well, going to look important. John, it's it's impossible to have any medium where you can put an ad out and then know exactly how many people go to your business well, as actually, a result of... you can on the internet, can't what? you? Can you? Yes, I on, believe you can. On the internet, but I can't watch TV on the internet, can I, John? I think you can. But they didn't tell me that at the Channel 9 <laughs> day. What? They also didn't, Wouldn't they be happy with that sort of stuff? They also didn't mention a few things afterwards when I was saying, well, what about the classification you need to get for an ad? Oh, yeah. So, so this is... Uh, actually, I just... Uh, oh, can I just go back sure, to yeah. targeting, targeting demographics? Because there's another bit of Carl Stefanovic number magic <laughs> where he talks about targeting demographics. It's really just a simple two-step process. Two steps. Firstly, decide your overall target group from the five major demographics. Women, men, teens and kids, grocery buyers, and what we call mainstream, that is, the mass market. Secondly, sit with your Nine TV Connect advisor to choose the station that best fits with your audience and budget. Nine, Go or Gem. Let's see a couple of examples. If you are, say, looking to reach 20 to 40 year old men, then the Go men's package will be right for you. If your target audience is a broad grocery buyer demographic, across, say, the 25 to 54 age group, then the Channel 9 grocery buyer package might be the best for your business. Or if your key prospects are females, 35 plus, then the GEM women's package will offer the best solution for you. Carl, women don't have packages. Uh, nice one. If only, if only you'd been there, Brett. <laughs> Come out with those zingers. But the uh, I was just saying that Carl said that if you wanted to approach females of this age, but then he reduced it to humans when he said women in the name of the actual. <laughs> uh, at first, I thought all mammals were on. <laughs> but I love, I love how they, uh, I love how they target, uh, target five demographics. They target five de- demographics, but one of those demographics is everybody. Yeah, mainstream. Mainstream. Also, grocery buyers which is, are still Which vague. is everybody. No, no, they're targeting everybody. That's, that's who I don't target with that one. They specialize no in everything. Uh, so so that's, 
what what was the the other thing? Oh, the classification. So we discover after the video, then our uh, our Barry. Yeah, our Barry comes and picks us up and says, "So, what did you think of the video?" And I'm I'm trying to hold myself in and go, "It's it was the greatest thing I ever saw." Let's <laughs> uh, go. Oh yeah, it was interesting. It had some, but I, I've got some questions for you. And so then we start asking him about uh, creating ads because they talk about you can get a free ad, but then if you want other ads, you have to. Uh, you have to pay for them yourselves to to this be. This is made. for the production. For the for the production, uh, so they can they can make one for you for free, which is essentially just stills. Uh, you could make it in iMovie, quite quite easily. Uh, stills, stills, stills yeah. with a voiceover, right. but like moving stills with that. Uh, so it's not like Fair's thing from Leafbusters. No, uh, but you can make your own. Like I said, well, I've got Final Cut Pro. Could I make my own? He was, he went. Oh yeah, and we can give you all the specs to to do that. But then you've also got to get it cleared. By CAD. And we're going, okay, well, no one's ever... Right, and that costs. What's CAD? CAD is Commercials Advisory. That's a company... Ad Uh, Advisory. Oh, I see. It's it's Commercial Advisory Proprietary Limited. CAD. Uh, That is a company that is owned by Free TV Australia, which is a company that is uh, created by the Free TV commercial channels. Uh, CAD needs to approve every ad that goes to air and make sure that it is right for the classification. Really? So that happens time. and they still get complaints. Yeah, because every ad has to be classified. Apparently. And uh, and it's it's really simple. It's really simple. There's only a 123-page document that you have to read and uh, and acknowledge every single element of in order to make sure that you meet all the CAD requirements. Uh, and then you have to pay CAD a hundred and something dollars, hundred and sixty something dollars, to get an advertisement uh, approved. Hundred, sorry, hundred and twenty-six for a new advertisement. Up to and including 60 seconds. Uh, and then there are different rates for larger ads, infomercials, and then more rates for changes that you make to an ad. So if you change the address on an ad, you've got to resubmit it, but it's at a lower cost and blah, blah, blah. So there are all these hoops that you have to jump through to get your ad on television that they're not telling you about until you well, sign you up for the car. Basically. Yeah. And... and- but you only have to deal with this because you guys are cheapskates and, and you don't have a big advertising buy that you can make and, and have an agency that's acting on your behalf. Well, it was interesting because they were actually saying we could buy the 50 ads and then you could actually sell them on. They were quite happy with the idea of you scalping your ads, you being on, an on-seller of really? your own. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was fascinating. I mean, this is the weird thing. We went because we were curious to see how it worked and I thought it was interesting that for an event ah, that was... So in- that, that makes sense of brand power. Maybe actually, maybe it does. Yeah, so brand, brand yeah. power, brand power could do something like that. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't have to be the one ad. We could buy we could buy ads for the whole year for our clients and say to our clients, "Well, we can get you ads on television, and it'll cost you this much, and you put an on sale, you know, bid it up for yourself." But it was yeah. interesting for an event that was there to sell me on the idea that. TV advertising is great. It's really successful. It's what you want. Not convincing. I came out actually the other way. There was a weird thing. I kind of went and going, oh, yeah, that makes sense to a degree. And came out going, this is such a scattergun way of approaching a very vague audience. I was trying to work out what products would actually benefit from it. You know, it was like, you know, cola, I guess, or supermarkets, like huge multinational well, kind of things maybe. But business, I, Businesses like Harvey Norman. 
do very well out of out of something like that yeah. because they have ads that they target to a very broad demographic. And they'd get a volume discount because they have so many of them. Yeah. yeah. But the vagueness of it all just had me going, if I had a product, I'd be much better off trying to, you know, niche market that to get to the people who actually want to buy it rather than just throwing this money to tell you hoping that that's going to end up the right way of doing it. And this and this was really what they were selling. They were, they were selling a bucket of shit to throw at a wall and hope that it's <laughs> stuck. Was stuck. Yeah. But you did get both the shit and the wall. Yeah. But not the bucket. But not the bucket. The bucket you that's gotta pay hundred and sixteen dollars for it. <laughs> that's and and that's it. It was it was a really interesting look into like to, to me, I felt like we had witnessed the the sound like the groan that dinosaurs made moments before they died. Yeah, no, I tell you, it, it was like this was the death rattle of freeway television. It really felt like, always, if I, either Channel Nine was refusing to admit that changes have happened in the way people view television and how it works, or they know full well and they're just desperately now doing. Would you buy this? Kind of like it was. It, it felt so much like they were doing a late night infomercial to us that it, it made them, it demeaned them. In a really odd way. Yeah. Still, good sandwiches. Yeah. The sandwich was good. Gary Postman. I have a letter for you. No, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. John Richards, you're going to have to sit out of the second letter. Do you want to read the first letter? Uh, yes. This is from Canadian Sophie, who says, Dear Box Cutters. Hello, hello Sophie. Hi, hello. Sophie. Hi. Hi, Sophie. Science fiction has a reputation of, shall we say, intense fans. My question is why? Not why do they have this reputation, but why do intense and obsessive people gravitate towards sci-fi? It seems to me there are very few casual fans of science fiction, and although I'm sure that all my children fan fiction, fan fiction exists, there surely isn't the mountains of it that exist for shows like Stargate, Doctor Who, etc. I'd like to know what you think. Cheers, Sophie. I did a little bit of Googling. I haven't managed to come up with, with more on that yet, but... um. I thought it was interesting because I looked up and, and there's actually some argument that soap operas do have obsessive fans. Well, if if you I remember the uh, the uh, voicemail that we got from uh, KT James in uh, in California mm-hmm. uh, about all my children about the daytime soaps, and, yeah, yeah, and uh, and about how Erica Kane was one of the greatest TV characters of all time, yeah. Uh, well, so so there are. Well, it's interesting, like but Sophie says, you know, they're not writing fan fiction. They're probably not going to Because, I mean, one of the big things you do find uh, Doctor Who famously, a lot of people, like when we interviewed Paul Cornell and, and Rob Schumann, they were fans of it as kids. You know, they became mm. writers because Doctor Who made them want to be writers. Mm. And I'm guessing that soap operas don't bring out that creative side in people that presumably they're obsessed with the characters and, the, and they want to know they're going to be all right, but they're not going to go and write adventures for them. You know, it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting I think it's an interesting point from Sophie and, and hopefully I'll be able to find some more research I, into it at some point. I think when, when something like uh, science fiction or fantasy can spark the imagination of someone, it gives them a little bit more confidence to be a little bit more outward about about that emotion. So so they can they can be passionate about it or uh their and also the themes, the themes in a lot of science fiction and fantasy are about being oneself and uh, and finding one's true self. There used to be a belief with Doctor Who, um, you know, in what was now called Classic Who back in those days, that because it was actually not very good to look at, it actually encouraged kids 
to create their own worlds. Like, like punk, punk rock music. Kind of, yeah. Weirdly enough, in much the same way as punk, that idea of, of the do-it-yourself ethos, you go, well, we only ever see three I Daleks really play guitar. on I telly. I really play guitar. I that. Yeah, and, but also there's a the thing like, you only ever see three Daleks, I'm going to draw a picture of a thousand of them. You know, that kind of thing. Like, we'd actually encourage people to make their own stuff. And, because it is interesting, I was thinking about the fact that when Battlestar Galactica, someone recreated the webisodes in Lolcat, which I know we talked about. <laughs> someone online had gone to the trouble of duplicating each episode of the webisodes that were done in one year with pictures from Lolcat. You go, that is quite astonishing. Yeah, why would you do that? And and, and certainly, yeah, no one's doing that about about you know Bolton the Beautiful. There's a, there's yeah. a Telnet server somewhere that has all of all of Star Wars episode four. Done in ASCII art. See that oh. kind of stuff is yeah. Like, like it's it's animated. Uh, like that's quite fascinating. That people feel this. I saw someone's done all of like a Doctor Who story in Lego recently, and yeah, it's that thing of it's encouraging people to contribute and expand and comment on those texts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I think I think there is more there is more digging I can do on that. Please, please do, and then uh, you're you're back on in a fortnight, so so maybe yeah. we can uh, add to that. Then, from anonymous Dave, we get, and this one's just for for you and it's me. Not that Brett. anonymous is he? His name's Dave. It's anonymous Dave. Oh, okay. Dave's surname. <laughs> 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 hey team, your thoughts on Angry Boys? I've given up. Did the seven minute pro- promo give away too much? Too slow. Too many apps. Not engaging characters. Too much baiting. Batting. Baiting. I think it's baiting. Baiting via language and content. See ya. So that's anonymous Dave just making a little cameo. Uh, have you been watching Angry Boys, Brett? Uh, obviously, jo- John can't comment because uh, his show Outland, which will hopefully air on the ABC later on this year, is made by Princess Pictures, the same company. So whatever I say is is loaded one way or the other. Is there some, <laughs> I think, is there some I think you've already said too much. Be- Oh, God knows. Oh, God you're knows. going off top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ABC haven't announced it, so we're, we're hoping. Yeah. But didn't, uh, didn't that play last year? <laughs> <laughs> it, was the great, it was the greatest show of last it year. It was, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, just still, we're just was. still waiting on an air date for it. Uh, have you been watching Angry Boys? Um, I haven't. I've been, I've been saving them up. Um, right. But I've, I've seen snippets. I haven't, I haven't seen the, the, uh, the S-Mouse the Smouse? Smouse. So the world hates it. Episode. They're, the world is really, uh, really angry about Angry Boys. Um, Bruce Guthrie, who used to be the uh, the editor of Herald Sun, yes. said, oh, no, it's, it, it goes against the ABC's charter and it shouldn't uh, be happening. How? How does it go against the ABC's charter? Apparently somewhere in there there's something about family values and he's picked that out. What, what have the ratings been like? Is it and Angry Boys I d- isn't I family I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been keeping an eye, but it's, it's in the old Spicks and Specs slot. Uh, but hey, what? No, isn't it? No, isn't no. it earlier? No, Spicks and Specs is still on. Oh, I don't know because I've just got it on IQ, so it just records it. And, um, so it's on it. nine o'clock, nine till nine thirty. Okay, uh, and then Hungry Beast, and then Hungry Beast. Or am I getting on? it backwards? Oh yeah, no, no, it's on the pre-Hungry Beast slot. You're right. Uh, it's it's not funny, but it? it's not terrible. Like the, it's still. Interesting characterizations. It's it's quite sad. I think it's 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 quite uh, depressing. They're, they're not happy stories. They are stories about uh, about uh, loss and pathos. There's not a lot of humor in it. Well, I, I 
I suspect that it's very true to life. And, you know, the people calling talkback radio were going on about, oh, they, they say faggot on there too much and there's too much language and blah, blah, blah. This is what people, the, the, the characters, if they were real people, would be talking like. Aside aside from Smouse, who I think is, uh, you know, if, if we wanted to find a weakness in Chris Lilly's abilities, it is doing a black American accent slash character because Smouse just does not come across as no. as real at all. I'm not convinced by the Japanese mother. Except for, for me, the Japanese mother, I can kind of look past because the story is so sad. And so, but all of these stories are so sad that I'm watching it, appreciating the craft and the storytelling, but wondering why I keep watching it because it's not... It's not uplifting. It's not funny. It's I, I think back to to We Can Be Heroes and, and Summer Heights High, and mm. and there were great gags in there as well as these really sad moments, like the musical in Didgeridoo, like in Didgeridoo, yeah. uh, when uh, when you know they're talking about Aboriginal history and Marsha Hines uh, wins a Countdown Award. The uh, you know there there were great gags in in We Can Be Heroes. This doesn't doesn't have those. It's just got the sad bits. That's that's what I'm. Thinking. So is, is there going to be a character arc through the series that will bring that around? That'll bring it around to funny. Yeah, I don't think so. If, if you look back to all the uh, all the other ones, all the character arcs brought it around to just more sadness. <laughs> so I I can't I can't t- accept everyone just like all of Western Australia just falls in a big hole. I can't work out <laughs> what's going to happen. But that's that's my take on on Angry Boys. I'm, I'm the only one who's seen it and can comment. So we'll just have to go go with that. If you watch one. Oh, I've messed up, Brett. Oh, no. I've, I've messed up. Why? On, Why? Uh, on one thing. Because I, I got excited. I looked on, on Friday, Friday night, June 10, on Channel 9, and I saw The Wicker Man. And Wicker Man is one of my favourite films. The of, original? Of time. The, Edward Woodward uh, on an island of, uh, of musical freaks. Did you know uh, it was remake? Christopher and, Lee and... Yeah, uh, oh, man, just a beautiful, wonderful, horrifying film. It is. It is a musical. Really? Uh, well, it's got, it is it's got a couple of songs. It, it is. It is the most horrific, orgy-filled musical I have ever yeah. seen. More so than Caligula. Caligula. Caligula, the musical, I didn't like so much, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I didn't. I didn't find it that that horrific. It was more. It was more glitter blood. Uh, so, so I got really excited because oh, Wicker Man's on Friday night. No, it's the two thousand and six remake. Uh, so, if you don't watch one thing this week. It'll be that. Oh, yeah. you did stuff up badly. Yeah, see? John? <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Uh, Amazing Race Australia. Uh, my, my, <laughs> mine's actually not uh, television, I must admit, but I got reminded I need to watch the last 40 minutes of Casablanca, which I started watching for the first time. John Richards! Uh, uh, even worse, I've owned it on DVD for about seven years, and I finally took the shrink wrapping off it, put it in. It's really good. Well, duh. I, I think it's going to be quite popular, and I reckon that Humphrey Bogart's <laughs> one to watch out for. So, yes, I'm going to watch the last 40 minutes of Casablanca. I wonder how it'll end. You know what I mean? So now, so now you finally understand you, where the title of Usual Suspects comes you know from. Those, you know those films, though, where you kind of assume you've seen them because you've seen all the bits from them randomly and other things. So it is that weird thing of I've seen much of it, just yep. never all of it in the right order. Right. But excellent film. 
Really, really, Casablanca, excellent yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, you had it here first. One I, thumb up. I watched, <laughs> I watched Breakfast at Tiffany's for the first time ever, not long ago, and I, and I found that uh, very three of my friends likewise did the same thing for the first time I ever watched it. It's uh, there were so many classic recently. films out yeah. there that you kind of assume you've seen. Think about Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, I, I knew that it's not very good. It. It's actually not my. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not my favorite. It's not, of, it's, of it's George Papad. Charade is my favorite. I, I, I like it, but uh, but I'm from Victoria, so I call it Charade. <laughs> but I was... Oh, speaking of childhood fear... My favorite fear, Audrey Hepburn film was Reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> sp- sp- speaking of, uh, of, of childhood fears from yeah. watching things on television... Audrey Hepburn. The man with the hook. The man with the hook in Charade, mm. uh, when he is, uh, w- when he is uh, drowned in the bath, uh, terrifying. For me, See, now you say that out loud. For an Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant romp, that's quite dark. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's, it's pretty dark. But then you know they get the little kid to to look for where that man would have found them would would have hid the money, and he thinks, oh, up there in the case, and they open it up, and it's just a case full of hooks for his hands. Brett, if you were watching one thing, I would be turning on one at uh, eight thirty on <laughs> Monday evenings. I thought you were just very, very posh saying you'd attack someone. I'd be turning on one. <laughs> I'd, be tu- I'd be turning on one. One st- would fear my wrath. <laughs> and stabbing one in the throat. Channel one, is, it, one still, is it still uh, one HD and one digital? No, it's just one no. HD, which is why I can't watch it anymore. Because so, oh, 11's now. Yeah, one, yeah. one digital's now 11. Uh, well, that's fine for you, Josh, because they've taken all the sport off. Um, and uh, Mondays at 8.30 is an idiot abroad. On one HD? Yes. On oh. one. So, so the the thing that I loved about one, they've gotten rid of. Slam ball. It was it was the the, the great thing about the multi channel, like having having a number of channels, was that you could have a channel that was just sport, and they did that, and then they got rid of it. It's weird that they turned well, out they not did to that, be and viable. that seemed to be fine. And then Murdoch and Packer got involved on the board, and they oh. pulled it off. Yeah, because this is the most obvious sort of thing to do with a multi channel, and and, and that woman too. They pulled that woman off. <laughs> no, she got on the board. So that's if you are or are going to watch that one woman thing. Off on the board. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. We've got we've got so long over time, Brent. I think we're going to have to put this bit in the other bit that's on the website. Okay. Or we can do it next week. Or we can do, or we can do it next week. This bit's gone. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode two hundred and sixty-seven. I want to say thanks to everyone amazing. at Channel Nine uh, for giving us so much <laughs> entertainment that day, and uh, and thanks to everyone in New Zealand for giving us the Almighty Johnsons. Until next week, my name. Oh, the video must be on a shitty contract at nine can- if they make her do that. I Virginia. think she's on an excellent contract at, at nine. That's I why think, she has to do that. Yeah, that's why she has to do all of that. Uh, until next week, if we don't see you at Continuum, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. What? You're not, <laughs> not going to be back if they do see you at Continuum next week? Yeah, you, you've, you've raised many questions now, Josh. I continue to be Brett Cropley. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And, hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards. Brett Cropley is our audio engineer. Peter Wilson coaxes all the bits out of our servers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell everyone you know and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That will help other people find us and would mean a lot. 
Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Find them in Melbourne, Australia on 102.7 FM or at rrr.org.au. There are lots of ways you can contact us and you'll find them all at our website at boxcutters.net. Mm. Yeah, sorry, John, we, we did go too long on that Channel 9 thing, but I, uh, I I really wanted to play all the audio clips that I had. No, and there was, there was one clip oh, that... I, I, can you I've play got that your last? device here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. You didn't tell me you met this guy. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to, or have just missed, Box Cutters. <laughs>